A separatist victory means death for all of us. The cadet is right. What are we going to do? We fight. But our training's not finished. Look around. We're one and the same. Same heart, same blood. Your training is in your blood. And my blood's boiling for a fight. This is our home. This is our war. What about weapons? The armory. There's just a few corridors away, here in the barracks. I can retrieve all the firepower that we need. <laughs> so, who wants to blast some droids? You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Here we go. I have a bad feeling about this. Follow me, boys! You're not shinies anymore. Go, go, go! Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Clone War Strikes Back. This is the podcast where we go back and celebrate the rich six-year history of Star Wars The Clone Wars by discussing each and every episode and episode arc. We've got a great show for you coming up this week. My name is Dominic, and joining me, as always, it's Kieran. Hello, Dominic. How are we doing today? I'm doing great. I'm just surprised that we were able to get another episode done so so soon. I mean, last... Last time we we did we made a whole point of saying you know the schedule's just going to be weird we don't know when or if there's going to be any more episodes this summer and now it's like it's a week later and we're like yeah we got another one coming out so back to back weeks it's great it's good stuff but uh, this is like a back to back special right here yeah right this, this is we certainly got a special arc in the works though I think uh, yeah, yeah I'm very much looking forward to discussing this I've done about yourself mate oh yeah no we're talking about this uh, this clone arc this rookies and and arc troopers and cadets and all kinds of stuff so yeah so the episodes we will be discussing are clone cadets rookies and arc troopers so covering season one and season three with this kind of this was kind of the first really thing the first one that they did in season three where they took a prior episode and they made a trilogy around it with uh you know with, they did this with the uh, rookies of course and then hostage crisis and then they did it as well with pursuit of peace uh because mm. nobody nobody felt that that episode really uh lived up to its potential so we needed to uh, you know two more to to, <laughs> to buff it up <laughs> well it needed to be fleshed out let's fleshed be honest out. yeah it didn't work as a standalone that's for sure yeah, well, you could, it's debatable if it works as a... <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Pursuit of Peace, it was a Senate murder, so that was the one we were thinking of. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so it'll be... Uh... <laughs> it's, it's not much between them, in, in terms of quality, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, at least at least that led to uh, heroes, on both, uh, heroes on Both Sides, so that was a good episode, that was exactly. a good episode. But yeah, so we'll, we'll be discussing those in the coming weeks, but yeah, so we got this, this arc here covering the Domino Squad... Um, so, Kieran, do you have episode descriptions for us this week? Yes, I do indeed. We'll start with clone cadets. Five headstrong clones... Sorry, i say that again. Five headstrong <laughs> clones struggle to complete their training on Camino. These cadets, heavy, cut-up, droid bait, fives, and echo, seem to be a 
bad batch in inverted comments. In inverted, com- I can't even speak now. <laughs> Let's do that bit again. Okay. Okay. So you just said. Da 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 da. Phone cadets. Five headstrong clones struggle to complete their training on Camino. These cadets, heavy, cut up, droid bait, fives, and echo, seem to be a bad batch in advertent commons, and are unable to work as a team. As Shark T and drill instructors Brick and L. Les debate the cadets' fate, the clones learn to work together and accept their destiny as soldiers. Next, rookies. Alone on a distant outpost, clone officers Rex and Cody must inspire their rookie unit to believe in themselves to stave off a droid commando invasion. And finally, ARC troopers. The Republic learns of an impending separatist attack on Kamino, and Anakin and Obi-Wan hurry to the planet. After the Republic repulses the Separatists' diversionary assault, the real attack begins. Asajj Ventress, General Grievous, and an army of droids rise out of the oceans, bent on destroying Kamino's clone production facilities. Rex, Cody, Fives, and Echo lead the clones in a desperate defense of their home planet. Yeah. Those are some very, very exciting episodes, I have to say. Uh, I I feel like the synopsis, however, it it, it gives a distorted impression. They were quite... It was quite a long synopsis, but it was very much action-packed, to say the least. So, Especially that last episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. The last episode was, wow. In terms of action-packedness, if, if that's even a phrase, I've, I've just coined that there. <laughs> it, it, it was something something quite incredible. Oh, yeah. And, and I just want to ask you this question then for really just your, your general initial impressions of the, the, I'm going to call it the Domino Squad arc because that's really the underlying, whether it's theme or feature of this episode, it is the underlying point that we need. Or the, cut that bit out. Let's go back again. <laughs> that was a mistake. Right, I'll start from the context. So, Dominic, what were your initial impressions of the Domino Squad arc? Well, I, I really enjoyed it, although, you know, watching it back... This time around, uh, you know, was was very interesting because you know, on the one hand, watching uh, clone cadets and and arc troopers, I was getting really nostalgic for uh, for Celebration Five because that was sort of you know, right after Celebration Five was when was when these episodes aired, and so it was, you know, the the build up to these episodes was all during C five, and it was a lot of fun, and for me, that's when I really feel that I became a you know. Hardcore Star Wars fan, um, and, and so it was kind of nostalgic to go back and, and watch those, and so it was really fun in, in that sense. Um, but on the other hand, there was a little bit of, you know, this was more just the fact that they did this sort of the trilogy with, you know, with one episode from season one and two episodes from season three. That you know, looking at some of the stuff from season one, the animation really didn't hold up because I mean, Rookies was was produced very very early in the schedule, if I'm not mistaken. And so it was, you know, to see we see the Separatist battle fleet out there, and it's like the animation looks so early and so so basic compared to what we see in in you know in arc troopers where it's it's amazing you know season 3 i think is really sort of the the jumping off point for the the best animation um you know i think throughout season 3 we saw, really saw them kick it up a notch from you know from the end of season 2 and then into these episodes and really then once the the night sisters trilogy so these ones and then the night sisters trilogy really really for me signaled a shift into 
new impressive uh, animation. So it was it was interesting to see the two juxtaposed against each other. I mean, the stories held up great, um, but it all but the the animation not so much. But but overall, it's a phenomenal phenomenal arc. I would definitely concur with that. I I agree with you, particularly with the animation point you made there. The animation quality is clearly distinct between Clone Cadets Art Troopers and then Season 1 of Rookies, which is very rudimentary in comparison. But I feel that the underlying theme of this story is the Domino Squad, and that held up really well in spite of the fact that there were two, there was two-season hiatus, if you want to call it, between story <laughs> arcs. Yeah. So I, I, I think on that point, it worked effectively. It worked extremely well. And I don't know about yourself, but linking on to my next question, really, um, I mean, in terms of the Domino Squad, I, I kind of see it, I, I kind of see the Domino Squad as representing a microcosm of how the clones are depicted throughout the series. And what I mean by that is you have these individual personalities of the likes of Echo, Fives, Cut Up Heavy, which have been introduced in this particular arc. And you really, really begin to sympathise and affiliate with the clones. So in your mind... Partly linked onto that, what did you make of the Domino Squad, and and did your judgment of them actually evolve as the arc unfolded? Uh, yeah, I th- I think the Domino Squad, hmm, a, I think they definitely, I think you're right, they do kind of represent sort of our opinions of the clones in that, you know, they they show how they become individuals because you know in the first episode they're really fighting the whole. You know, they're kind of infighting about, you know, names and stuff. You know, it, Echo doesn't want to be called Echo, but Fives does want to be called called Fives, and Heavy is against having his name. And then when Heavy sort of accepts the name, that's when they sort of realize they are able to come together. And it kind of goes to, you know, what Shock T was saying about, you know, the individual and the group having to be one and the same. And, and so it's sort of, you know, the clones, you know, they all look, <laughs> they all look alike. But they don't. But they are still individuals, and it's about these individuals coming together to work as a team. So yeah, I I think that sort of sums up Domino Squad for myself. What about you? Yeah, I I really enjoy seeing the the different dispositions of each of the Domino Squad members, and there really are distinct features, even from Clone Cadets. And I, I recognise after watching the Dave Filoni featurette on this particular arc, he mentioned that it was very difficult visually to distinguish the clones Echo Fives cut up and heavy because they're all in their training armour and they all look very, very similar. Yes. But they still had these nuances that you could that you could tell were a little bit different from one another, whether it was um, the Scottish accent of Cutter. <laughs> um, or whether it, I, I don't know, I, I, the, the thing that I have to pin that down to, in my opinion, and I think you agree with it a lot, is just the Bradley Baker. He, oh yeah. He is phenomenal with the clones, and, and it's really illustrated in these clone arcs. This is the, principally the, the, the main arc uh, before we go to Embara in Order 66, that we really see D. Bradley Baker shine. 
And I think that's what helps distinguish the characters Echo 5's cut up and heavy for one, one another in spite of their really indistinguishable appearances. So that is, is, is really interesting. I don't know. Do you, do you want to quickly add something? Yeah, well, I just have Steve to say, Baker? Yeah, I just have to say that you know, D, the fact that Dee Bradley Baker does not have an Emmy for this show is, is absolutely insane. He, he more than just more than deserves one for it, and I think you know there's still there's still hope. I mean, um, you know, the Lost Missions technically qualify for next year's Emmys, so and and that had the Order sixty six arc, and that was some phenomenal performance in there. So hopefully they would, you know, the the Academy and the people who vote for the Emmys sort of are, are aware enough to realize that this is you know there's kind of their last chance to give this guy the the credit and the uh, the awards he deserves, but at the same time, I'm also not I'm not really holding my breath. But yeah, he was absolutely phenomenal in in this arc. His, his performance rivals one of the great acting performances, which was uh, James McAvoy as the Fawn in in the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, which is absolutely the pinnacle of acting. No, I'm uh, just kidding there. Um, yeah, he was absolutely absolutely great in uh, in this arc. Absolutely, and I agree with you. If he doesn't get an Emmy. Which I understand to me and you and, and, and many other Star Wars fans looks unlikely. I, although season six with the Order 66 arc, there's the opportunity. And, and again, he, he produced an exceptional performance in those episodes, to say the least. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move on to a different point, which is again in the Clone Cadets arc. We have bounty hunters yeah. training, mentoring these Clone Cadets. First of all, did that surprise you? It did and it didn't. Um, on, on the one hand, um, you know, in, in some of the old Legends material, the old expanded universe, there was, you know, precedent that it was Mandalorians training the clones, or at least training certain clones, like the uh, the, the Republic Commandos. But in, in this to see... Uh, See, so to see bounty hunters, it, it does kind of make sense. Um, and it kind of goes to something we talked about a while back, which was sort of the taking, taking the idea of a bounty hunter, which is something we always assumed of as a bad guy and making them into kind of more of a, a good guy in that they aren't all Boba Fett's and Cad Bane who just work for the, the, you know, work against the Republic or work against our heroes. Um, they can be just people who are out to make money and, you know, they they're not necessarily bad people, which is kind of what we got from, from Ellis. And, you know, maybe it's not necessarily, the, and, you know, maybe they aren't necessarily bounty hunters like Boba Fett, who, who they, their usual work is to go hunt down bounties. Maybe they're kind of more of a, a you know, a contractor who is brought in to train to train, uh, to train troopers. Like, that's sort of their, their thing, and instead of, you know, <laughs> hunting people, they just offer up their services to, to, you know, people who need training. Yeah, I... The thing was these bounty hunters, I I had a little... I was pretty dubious with Brick. I don't... I do and I don't understand why he was hired in particular. You may <laughs> counter this, but I... Ellis, he, he seemed like he really cared about the clones and he wanted them to progress and advance into these soldiers. But... Brick just seemed to continuously scorn, lecture them, and 
and just really condemn the clones rather than seemingly uh i i get i guess trying to make them feel as good as they can <laughs> and trying to improve their skills he was more you, know, you do it my way or the highway you know it was it seemed a bit dogmatic in that respect um I, I, what did you make of Rick? i i had issues with him personally yeah his his methods were interesting i i, I don't up until he purposefully sabotaged the Domino Squad, I could sort of understand what he was doing. You know, he was getting in the face of Cut Up, trying to get him to be serious because you know, Cut Up is a Cut Up. He just he's always making jokes and and, and stuff. So it's you know, it, 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 you know, you could understand what he was doing. He's trying to you know, trying to motivate them, trying to motivate them, and but when he took away their ascension cables. That was sort of the moment where I was like, okay, is, is this guy really trying to do what's best for these clones, or is he just, you know, trying to win a bet with Ellis? Because, you know, at that point, it sort of seemed like he stopped trying to help them and was purposely trying to hinder them. And when well, he was trying to, to hinder them, it kind of, you know, it wound up working out, but that wasn't his goal. His goal wasn't, you know, I'm going to steal their... Uh, their ascension cables and see if they can work together. Instead, it was I'm going to steal their ascension cables to screw them up so they'll all go become maintenance clones. Exactly. It was it was to prove a point, and I'm not surprised that he did that because that was kind of his demeanor. That was obvious when him and LS are having that discussion. Well, 99 was in the backdrop, <laughs> in the back eavesdropping, <laughs> I should say, yeah. in their conversation, and Rick said something to the effect of. I'm just here to earn the money. That's all I care about. It was it was just greed is is really what drove him there. Yeah. But what I did, what really bugged me, was that Shark T then commended him for taking away the extension yeah. cables. Well, yeah, she well, was well, like, "Your methods have brought the best out of them." I, I understand that, but I, I I thought there was really a a contradictory message that was being projected through. Yeah. Breaks methods to an audience. I, that's a good point. I think the uh, the contradictory message there. I think is. I think you, you hit on it because you know, on the one hand, he did bring out the best in the clones, and so what she was saying was true. But at the same time, do they really want somebody who's there, whose goal it is to try and sabotage the clones? And the answer may very well be yes, because as Shakti says, the enemy will not play fair. Um, so, you know, as long as he doesn't try and get them killed, then, <laughs> you know, it, it... He's not out of a job, that's... Yeah, then, then <laughs> I guess they should keep him around. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, that. Um, I mean, we talk about these bounty hunter personalities and, the, and their demeanors. Here, here's an interesting question. Uh, would you perceive that the clone troopers' unique personalities have have been further influenced by these bounty hunters educating them, or is it just principally stimulated through the Django Fett DNA? Is, is that coming a, a, across clearly? I mean, uh, I, I can elaborate on yeah, that. Elaborate, can you elaborate a little bit on that one? Yeah, sure. So you've got LS and Brick training these clone troopers... Is their particular methods and their 
personality is going to have an impact on the clones? Is that something that they're going to take away from being trained? Are they going to end up with these attributes of a bounty hunter? Or is it that their individual personalities have just mainly been inspired by the fact that they have Django Fett DNA inside them, so they've got bounty hunter DNA already in them? I was just wondering if because because we obviously we see the individual personalities that these clones have and i i'm i'm really intrigued as to find out what is it that stimulates that why do they have these idiosyncratic personalities is it because of the django fett dna or has it been exacerbated by bounty hunters such as l les and brick teaching well i i think that the, the django fett dna relates them to their physical appearance and their physical strengths and, 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 and all of that. And, you know, maybe a little bit mentally in terms of their thinking. But I think most of their, their training just comes from, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the Kaminoans and, and, and that kind of stuff. And so, and their programming leads to them, you know, following orders and stuff. But at the same time, they are, they aren't droids. They are still living, living, breathing, people and and that is part of the the point of having clone a clone army instead of a droid army is that they are able to to think somewhat you know they 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 do you know know how to think on their feet as you know this the show shows in episodes like rookies or even clone cadets or arc troopers and all that whereas you know the droids would be confused and not knowing what to do so i think you know they're allowed to have personalities by the Kaminoans. I think if the Kaminoans wanted to, they could remove their personalities entirely. Um, but they don't want to because, you know, the army has to, has to, you know, actually function. And it won't function unless they have, you know, some form of thought. And then, then that leads to their training and, and stuff. And I think just allowing them to have thought because they are people, they are people, um, that leads to their personalities. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a very good point you make there, actually. And although it's debatable whether Darth Plagueis' novel has been canonised, the point is made there during the plans that Darth, that Darth Plagueis and Darth Sidious conceive about constructing a clone army, that humans have these individual personalities and there will be trouble afoot, that they will have the power of thought, in a way, to to think outside this so-called dogmatic uh, indoctrination, if you want to call it that, that has been processed in them, i.e. they can think outside the box. They're not just going to follow orders like droids do. They have, as you said, the, the individual four. And so that is where, not necessarily just from Django Fett and the, all the bounty hunters, but that is principally where these clones have these idiosyncratic personalities is linked to the fact that they're human as a species. And that's something that has been alluded to in a number of, throughout throughout the films, um, maybe not so much in the films, but particularly in that novel, I would say. Yeah. Um, um, We talked a brief bit about the Kaminoans there. Now, we've seen the Kaminoans in Season 6 in Order 66 arc, so we we know that they're not... They're in in a lot. They're in in a lot of things. And that's why I find this quite intriguing when we see Prime Minister 
I mean, Mr. Lou, is it? Is that how you pronounce his name? Lamassu or... Lamassu, even, yeah. Prime Minister Lamassu. Do you sense his treacherous and, and deceitful disposition or personality when he's conversing with Master Shock T, or has he hidden it well? I, I don't know, because everything he says kind of sounds sarcastic. I mean, let's, to be perfectly honest, everything he says doesn't... He doesn't portray any sort of sincerity. He doesn't, you know, it's clear that the Kaminoans don't really care about the clones. They only care about, you know, as Dexter Jester would say, that the size of your pocketbook. Um, <laughs> and so I, 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 I don't know if he necessarily, he doesn't portray maybe necessarily a, you know, a, a deceitfulness in this, but just sort of a lack of caring. And and that sort of hints as to their motivations, and then what we see it expanded upon later on in in season six. Um, I don't know. What do what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think that's a good point to make. I I always I always had a deep, not necessarily suspicion, but I didn't necessarily believe everything that Prime Minister Lama Su was, was saying to Shark T. I always, there was a sinister edge to him, if, if that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't yeah. seem, he seemed quite malfiescent and corrupt or from the beginning in a sense. I, I don't know if we saw it as much in episode two, but when he's talking about Django Fett DNA and he says, well, if you're running out of DNA of Django Fett, just find someone else who's a suitable host then. Um, and just discard of this domino squad or whichever way you see fit. And, and he, he makes that line, doesn't he? He says, you Jedi show far too much compassion. And, uh, I mean, okay, that's probably true of a Jedi, but he certainly showed a lack of compassion oh, yeah. in me towards <laughs> those clones. So, yeah. Um, I mean, with the Kaminoans, I was going to bring this up later, but th- th- this kind of links in quite well, actually. We talked about the deceitful nature of, of these Kaminoans. Why, why, oh why, do Ventress and Grievous go on this campaign to invade Kamino and steal or commandeer a strand of Django Fett's DNA when Dooku has the Kaminoans on his cell book? I mean, why does he, (laughs) maybe not quite as that, but that is the one thing that probably bugs me in this arc, is that... I don't understand the purpose of it. Why are the Separatists launching this huge, gigantic blockade with General Grievous, a Sarge Ventress? These are two hugely significant individuals in the war on a major target, it would seem. But why? Why are they doing this when Count Dooku can just call up Prime Minister Lama Su and say, yeah, you know that strand of Jango Fett DNA could just... Send that through the post, could you? I mean, well, and, but he doesn't really want to do that either. I, I don't think that Dooku would, would. I don't think Dooku went into this battle expecting to win. The only thing I can think of is that, that this was all for show, that this was sort of to keep the keep the Republic guessing. And I don't. I and you know, I think that Dooku and Sidious almost sabotaged, uh, you know, Grievous and Ventress. That they sent them in there by themselves. I mean, really, if you're going to lead an invasion on on a planet like this, you'd probably want Dooku there leading the charge. I mean, he's, you know, he's the head guy for the Separatists. And I think, so I think Dooku and Sidious kind of sabotage them by not sending them with enough ships, 
you know, they, they kind of mention a few times that there aren't enough droids to overrun the city, that it's a trap, and there, there's all this stuff, kind of stuff. And I think that, you know, this was just kind of for show to keep the Republic guessing so that the Republic, you know, wouldn't catch on to the fact that, you know, the Separatists were being controlled by Sidious, uh, or, or that, that they were, they were being played the way that they were, because, you know, if the war went on for, you know, six years and the Republic is like, hmm, I wonder, you, know, you just see Obi-Wan and Yoda sitting around, I wonder why the Separatists have never tried to invade Kamino. No idea I have. And, you know, so it's just kind of to keep them guessing. And it could be for show to the, you know, to the Separatists, to the, to the people who believe in the Separatist cause that, you know, they are trying to, you know, take take down the Republic army by going after Camino, And of course it turned out to be a loss. And I think that had Ventress actually gotten away with the DNA, it would have wound up back in the Jedi's hands at some point. They would, Sidious and Dooku would not have allowed them, you know, they needed the war to keep going. Sidious needs the mm-hmm. war to keep going. So he would not have allowed them to do anything to the DNA or to, he would have, it would have made his way back to the Jedi somehow. It would have, he would have put in some plot where the Jedi went chasing after Dooku and then they had the choice they could arrest Dooku or they could get the DNA back and so they would have to get the DNA back. But, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think the whole point of this was, it was just a big display to. It was a facade, really. It was a facade that. just kind of to keep this, this, the facade of the war going. That, you know, the Separatists are trying to win, and that, you know, because really, Sidious doesn't want either side to win. He, he wants to win, and he, for him to win, both sides have to lose, but it has to look like both sides are trying to win. Hmm. So that's, 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 a, that, that's a very good point that you've made there. I didn't actually think about that. And, and expanding on it, because your theory there has, has kind of got my light bulb. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, a light bulb is just dinged in my brain now. Um, I also believe that this could be a, a show, uh, a facade, as we called it, um, to really keep the Kaminoans in check as well, because they've got quite a bit of power still, because they know a lot about the war if it was to go into the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. went into the Jedi's hands too soon. It could be a way of also demonstrating to the Kaminoans, because Lama Su is quite shocked as well when he says the, the, the Republic blockade is too strong, they wouldn't dare. It's, it's a show of strength, isn't it? Saying, well, you are not, you are not invincible, you are expendable as much as everybody else in this war. And so by attacking Kamino, it's also a lesson to Lama Sue to keep things in check because we can still reach you if you think you want to hide something from us. So it works in two ways. Your idea, I definitely agree with, in the sense that it is just a charade that has been conceived in order to keep the Jedi guessing. But at the same time, it can also it can be used in a number of ways. But that is the effective. That's the effective part, I guess, of of this plan that has been executed. <laughs> Which is, it, it, it actually, it works in so many different ways that even though that seemingly the Separatists have lost, mm-hmm. they haven't because it's just shown their strength, but it's also kept the Jedi on the move, kept them guessing and 
and, and really ambiguous about what's going on in this war. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think that was the whole the whole point <laughs> was to to keep everybody to keep people on their toes, keep them uh, keep up the facade that is the Clone Wars, because ultimately <laughs> it's just Sidious trying to put the galaxy into a position where he can take over and create the first galactic empire. <laughs> the first galactic empire. <laughs> Such a great line there. Such a great line. Yeah. Um, moving on now to... We're still on Clone Codex. I thought there was a lot in Clone Codex to talk about, more so, I think, than some of the, some of the, the other two episodes in this. That's why I'm concentrating a lot of our discussion on it, on the episode at the moment. But the training program, the training program itself, is it pretty clear that the training program foreshadows the obstacles and challenges that our heroes will face in the Citadel arc? Uh, I, I think it, the calling it the Citadel was a nice little, uh, you know, uh, Easter egg. But I don't know if it necessarily reflects the actual Citadel. I, I think it was just kind of a little Easter egg, a little nod to the fans um, who are paying attention. But at the same time, I, I just don't think it's actually, <laughs> you know, actually, ha- it's not actually a... It's just not a reflection. You yeah, it's so, not but, a reflection. But what about but, them climbing up the guns? Because they did that in the Citadel arc as well, didn't they? I guess, yeah. Well, I guess there were elements of it, but uh, I don't know. It, it felt more like an open battlefield where it's the, the actual Citadel felt more like hallways and, and running around. So I... I you know, maybe there were elements, but I, I think it was more just a, a, a nod to the fans than, yeah, that makes and sense. than anything else. <laughs> yeah, what, what did you make of the whole training program itself in general, really? Because we don't... In episode two, we didn't really gain any insight into what the clones training exercises encompassed we saw we saw them eat and look at a computer <laughs> and that was about it really so what did you make of this training program that was installed um i, I think it was really cool i think it was a, a great sort of simulator i it seemed like it would have been a a lot of fun <laughs> to be perfectly honest <laughs> um a bit like laser tag or something <laughs> yeah so, yeah exactly it felt like laser tag so yeah i think you know, in in the the film, we just sort of sort of had a little chance to see just little bits and pieces of it, and that's the great thing about the the Clone Wars is that it could expand on something like clone training, and we actually get something really cool. Whereas in the in the films, they just kind of want to show the accelerated growth process and how you know that there are all these clones and they're all kind of living together and, and that they're all leading up to you know putting on the white armor and then. To, and, and, but there wasn't you know time to actually see it, and so I think it was a really cool way to to expand on that, to expand the universe, for lack of a better term. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, that's what is just so great about the Clone Wars is the fact that it has the time, and it really uses its efforts to expand, extend upon what we see in the films. So that we can actually have an episode just principally about training program. Um, I mean, obviously we talk about the clone interactions there, but the, the not necessarily, 
maybe the MacGuffin, if you want to call it, the MacGuffin of the episode was that training program when they had to try and climb up the the, ta- the citadel to yeah. go and get that stick to say, yeah, we won, woo, <laughs> we passed, <laughs> we got the green light to go. Yeah. Um, so that was that was very intriguing. Um, okay, I want to talk about 99 in a second. We'll come on to him in a bit. Um, but I just wanted to make a comment, actually, about the... We, we've talked a little bit about the animation of Season 3. Um, I don't know if you wanted to make a, a, a brief comment on, on what Dave Filoni had stated about these episodes, particularly with regards to the rain and water, that he found it pretty challenging and difficult <laughs> to overcome in in producing and conceiving these yeah. episodes. But well, it didn't seem that way. I thought it was executed very well. Oh, yeah, it was executed very well. It was absolutely executed very well, but that doesn't mean it wasn't a challenge. I, I just remember it at Celebration 5, I didn't go to this panel, but my pretty much everyone else in my family did. I went and saw a live uh, Force Cast. Um, but it was the Clone Wars uh, behind-the-scenes kind of making of. And they kind of... And basically, the impression I got was the whole time was spent with Dave Filoni saying, I can't believe we were able to make it rain. It was so difficult to make it rain, and we got it to rain. And the next day at the, you know, the proper Clone Wars preview panel, you know, he mentioned Camino, and a bunch of people in the audience shouted, Nice rain! So, you know, it was obviously, it was obviously a great challenge, but they pulled it off brilliantly. It looked great. Absolutely. And and to think that it extends itself even more when we come on to the Calamari arc, oh, yeah. uh, the opening of season four, which that arc is incredible in itself. But with regards to the water, it's, I mean, they, they, I'm sure they said it was, well, in some ways it would have been more difficult, but in some ways less as well, because they'd gone through the process of the Camino episodes. But of course it didn't have an entire episode underwater. That's something completely different. But yeah. it, it, it just demonstrates, as you alluded to earlier, how, the Clone Wars animation team really, really starting to stretch themselves at this point, and the, the benefits are starting to come into fruition, aren't they? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, sorry, I don't know, did you want to uh, uh, <laughs> extend on that point? Just say a little bit more, it just looks great, and how, you know, we kind of said this off the top of the year, the first, this this arc, and then the, the Night Sisters arc really, I think, kicked off the beginning of this sort of you know, ramping up with the animations to where it became what we saw in season six, where it was just absolutely incredible. Oh, for certain. For certain. Now, I briefly mentioned his name, 99. Yeah. <laughs> a notorious maintenance clone of the Clone Wars. Probably the only one that we actually know by yes. name. <laughs> and he's not even got a name, it's just 99. But... I. What are your thoughts, first of all, before we get into his character, about, uh, what are your thoughts about the conception of a maintenance clone? Because um, I was profoundly surprised at the fact that not all clones actually, lack of a better term, blossomed into soldiers on the battlefield, that some clones just didn't make it. Um, were you surprised at all by that? Uh, well, on the one hand, I'd never really thought about it, but on the other hand, it kind of makes sense. I mean, in in any field, there are going to be there are going to be people that just don't make it, and and you know, it kind of makes sense that you know when you're doing something you know scientific with with cloning, that's you know something's going to go wrong at, at some point, and you know not all clones are going to be you know able to to overcome 
certain issues, like the issues that Domino Squad was going through, although they were able to pull through. And then 99 was, you know, physically unable to do it. But, you know, it's just, you know, whenever you're making something and, you know, the clones are made, it's going to go wrong once in a while, you know, whether you're, you know, making a cake or cloning a person, you know, there's going to, you're going to burn the cake at least once in your lifetime. So, (laughs) you know, 99 is, is the burnt cake. I guess, but I, I don't want to compare him to Burnt Cake because he turned out to be so <laughs> wise, and, and Burnt Cake isn't wise. I, mean, <laughs> I you know, I, I, <laughs> I guess, I guess ninety nine, ninety nine is the icing on the Burnt Cake because the icing <laughs> is the really good part, and I think ninety nine represents, or ninety nine's personality represents the best part of all the clones. And let's be honest, icing is the best part of cake. And so, well, 99 may not have the the physical body, the burnt cake. He has the brain that is the best of all the clones, and thus is the ice. This is a stupid metaphor. I'm sorry. (laughs) I understand what what you're talking about there, but I'm just a bit concerned that you're giving the impression to the audience that you've had burnt cake before. <laughs> is, 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 have you had that for dessert before? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. You to know about it quite a lot. No, I haven't. I no. When when cake gets burnt, usually it gets thrown out. Um, perfect laugh. I have had barbecued cake. That was awesome. But that's a that's a story for another time. Um, <laughs> hashtag barbecue so, watch. Um, <laughs> so. So ninety nine is ninety. Okay, ninety. No, ninety. Ninety nine is the is is the wisest of the clones, and he sort of he understands everything, and you know he's a tragic character to the point where you know, when he finally gets his chance, he he, he dies, but he he died, you know, doing what? Was. Yeah, and he died, you know, getting his chance. And that was something he said in the first episode. He never got his chance, and then he got his chance, and sort of not in the training module like all the other clones did but in a you know a real battle and you know he was able to to really help out in the war the whole time that that whole battle right up until the end yeah absolutely 99 was a really intriguing character and i i'm not going to say that i necessarily wanted to see more of him because i feel like his you wanted him to to survive you wanted him to survive i think yes yeah you did but at the same time, he did serve his purpose. And I mean, with deaths like 99, and we'll come on to heavy in a bit, but sometimes they can be more effective because they've died. I mean, we see that in films in general, uh, whether it would be, this just comes to mind in The Lion King, when, when Mufasa, <laughs> when Mufasa uh, yeah. gets killed by Scar. That's, that's a very poignant moment there. Yeah. Um, but but it really amplifies people's, not, I guess, enjoyment, but th- their love for the film because the, it, it's so shocking. You don't expect it. The same way in Star Wars. We've talked about Star Wars, whether it's Qui-Gon Jinn dying in Episode One, Obi-Wan Kenobi allegedly, or his corporeal body is gone in Episode Four. Maybe, maybe that's leaning onto the conception that Luke Skywalker might get it in Episode Seven. Just a theory. Just maybe. a theory. Maybe. Possibly. <laughs> um, but it, it, what I'm trying to say here is that his death did serve a purpose, um, and it was sad. 
it was sad, but I feel that we could we could live with it. I mean, for example, if if Minnie Mouse died, I don't think I don't think I would really have. <laughs> I, I would have been shocked. I'd have been really sad about that. And I was sad at 99's death, but he wasn't on the same level. I was, I was emotionally destroyed when 99 died. I thought it was a really? very sad death. I, I really came I to like his, his death, then. I really came to like his character. I thought he was, a, you know, like we said, he, the character you wanted to see survive. And, you know. Okay, without, no pun intended, but do you think his death was felt more heavily than when Heavy died? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because I, I really felt something when Heavy died, more so than Ninety Nine. That's that's me. But you, no, you're about to count my. I, I feel like you know I felt something when Heavy died, but I felt more for for Ninety Nine because I I don't know I just felt like Ninety Nine was sort of that. You know I felt like Ninety Nine. You know he inspired all the clones, and he was sort of this. You know kind of hero in a, in a different light than from Heavy. I mean, Heavy made the ultimate sacrifice, and it was a, it was a great moment and a, and a sad moment and, and a moment that was repeated later on in Season 4 with a different clone, almost yep. t- almost beat for beat. Um, uh, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, and, and then, but I, I don't know, I just, for 99, just the way he inspired all the, all the clones to, to, you know, to, for lack of a better term, to be the best they can be, um, wound up, and then, you know, his, his death when he, you know, he finally got his chance, and, I don't know, I, I, I feel like, with, with Heavy's story, I feel like we spent more time with 99 before he died than with Heavy, because when, when Heavy, you know, when Rookies first came out, it was a one-off episode. And so, well, it was great to see, See these clones, and and you know, and and, to, and then and it was great to see Heavy's backstory later on. You know, we knew that he was he was was doomed when we saw him in in, in Clone Cadets, and and, and so I, I don't know. I, I felt that we you know we spent more time with Ninety Nine before seeing him die in sort of real world chronology instead of in universe chronology. And so that's why I felt more for for Ninety Nine's death, and not to say that Heavy Heavy's death was bad or boring or or unimpactful because it, it certainly was impactful. It was great. It was almost, well, it wasn't great, but it was, you know, <laughs> well, not if you're heavy anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was well done. So that's, that, that's why I felt that 99's death was more impactful. What, do, well, why do you think heavy death was more impactful? I, I guess I have just this, this sympathy towards heavy more so than 99. I, I really enjoy 99's character. I'm not, derailing or diminishing the, the personality of 99. He was a prudent individual and he, he certainly had a, a huge impact on the Domino Squad's future um, and, and quite a lot on Heavy in particular, actually. We have that conversation in, in Clone Cadets where Heavy's about to bail out you know, for, a, for like, again lack of a better term he just wants to walk away from everything yeah. and, and 99 manages to convince Heavy to stay which is a, a great thing in the end um, and then Heavy as a as a reward almost gives him his medal um, I mean that's, that's a touching moment I would say a very touching moment but why Heavy's death has a greater impact on me is Away from the chronological timeline we're on here, it was the first episode 
which I felt major compassion and affiliation with a particular clone division in the series because sure. Rookies was the, was the first one, the inaugural episode, where we had an episode solely centred on the clone troopers. And to see one of them die, I'd, I'd never had the feeling before of being, not distressed, I don't want to no, blow, <laughs> blow it out of proportion, but as, as sad and and quite perturbed about the clone trooper's death. So to me, it's, it has this, this greater reverberation and it, than 99's death in that sense. Not to say 99's death was, you know, it used, as you also said with Heavy's death, uh, we juxtaposed them. Not to say that that was rubbish or, or fruitless at all, but it just didn't have the same implication on me because I guess I had that sentimental value with Heavy in, in, in season one. And as, as we see, it's emulated later with Hardcase in season four. And again, that doesn't have the same impact on me because it is just this imitation of what happened to Heavy in season one, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, pretty much, as you said, for uh, regards to you know, just beat for beat, really. There's it's, it's no, nothing to really distinguish the two. So that's why, for me, Heavy has a greater impact on me is principally because it was the first clone that I really attached to and, and, and had died, and it was a feeling that I'd never really considered and uh, and really felt in myself before. So that's why I would say Heavy has a greater impact than 99. But, you know, what? we all have different opinions with regard to that. And, yeah. and, and what, I think what we can agree on is that both deaths were pretty... Moving and, and and tragic for both, weren't they? I mean, yeah, the execution absolutely. of both of them was different, but they were also exceptional in in a sense, weren't they? Yeah, very well. Yeah, they were very well done. Very well done. Um, yeah, so I think we can we can call this one a tie. <laughs> <laughs> we each get one point. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Next next episode homework. You can write a eulogy for ninety nine. I'll write a eulogy for heavy. And <laughs> no, no, we'll write. No, we should. We should write eulogies for for these clones and post them on on the Facebook page, and people can decide which one is better. <laughs> I like that idea. All right. And, um, if we can't get an episode in next weekend, then that will be our task to apply with I'm, I'm looking forward to that i've already got a yeah. few ideas with heavy <laughs> uh, and i'm sure you've got a couple of 99 oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so anyone who, who doesn't listen to or watch the clone wars it just sounds like a really weird conversation like, who's heavy 99 what are you well, talking yeah, about? But if you've never watched the clone wars why are you listening to this show i mean let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> well, if they just came across it, the show. Well, if you just come across it and all you want is is just Star Wars talk, then listen to the Star Wars Underworld podcast because that's just pure Star Wars talk. This is this show. I mean, let's be honest. This show is for a, a niche of a niche of a niche audience. It's for fans of the Clone Wars who have watched the show once and are rewatching it again. Like that's the point of the show. Which is not to say there's anything bad with that because I don't know about you, but I'm having a ton of fun going back and rewatching it and rediscussing it. It's a lot of fun. A lot of things missed the first time around. And, you know, some things like the whole why did the Separatists invade Camino thing, you know, means so much more when we've seen season six and we know that Dooku is that that, that the Kaminoans are in li- are in league with Dooku or, or you know, I, I, this is more of a discussion for season six. But I think, you know, just to go back to that point a little bit, I think that 
the Kaminoans aren't necessarily in league with Dooku. They're in league with Darth Tyrannus. And I think we have to distinguish mm. Tyrannus from Dooku. Because Dooku is the leader of the Separatist army. Tyrannus is the Sith Lord working with, with, uh, with Darth Sidious to, for control of the galaxy. And so I think they are, while they're one person, they're two separate characters. And while he, he's truly, his true identity, I think, is Darth Tyrannus. Um, you know, he has to, you know, the two different people have slightly different motivations and uh, or the two different personalities or personas have different, different, uh, you know, goals and motivations mm-hmm. that they're working towards. And so he has to, you know, that character has to walk the line between the two of them as to not lean his hand one way to another. But that's that's kind of something we can discuss a little bit more when mm-hmm. we get to when we get to the Order 66 arc. Anyway, sorry, no, I, was, I took you completely off topic there. <laughs> that's all right. No, that's, uh, that's, that's the point of this show. Yes. In a way that we, just, we just go on and, uh, no, we digress about loads of Star Wars moments. So, and that, that, it, it goes to show the impact of the show. We're not, I'm not going to go and digress too much with that. But with regards to your point and uh, Darth Tyrannus and Count Dooku, the different aliases there, I just think that he needs to he needs to have a better cloak because I think it's pretty obvious that he's Dooku in those holograms <laughs> that we see in season six. You can I recognise that long beard anywhere, I'll tell you that much. I'll tell you that much. Um we've talked a lot about clone cadets now, but we've kind of fed on to a bit with regards to rookies and I mean I mean we talked about a little bit about the animation differences between season three and, and season one, but did that did that derail the story in your, no. your opinion at all? No. In terms of rookies, from what you see, because I think it was a, it was a very, it's it one of the best episodes I think of season one, particularly in regards to standalones. And rookies is certainly up there, would you not say? Oh yeah, absolutely. It was a great standalone episode, and just kind of surprised when they when they went back and and, and did some more. You know, surprised and not surprised because it was so good. Um, so obviously they would want to do more with it. Um, but yeah, it was yeah, it was absolutely it was you know one of the highlights from that first sort of half of season one. Definitely, definitely. Um, let's move on. I mean, have you got any points you want to make about rookies? Actually, because I it was more action I saw. I mean, the commando droids, of course, we could mention, but we we've already seen them. But I, I guess let's talk a little bit about them because we we have seen them, but not necessarily elaborated much on them because. They made brief cameos in the episodes we've seen previously, but they were a vocal adversary in this episode. Do you think they were exercised well? Did, could could you believe them as these? Oh yeah, they were. They were great. Droids? They were great. They were phenomenal villains. They were they were actual you know battle droids that actually posed a threat, and that's pretty rare. <laughs> to be honest, you, you know it's it's. Because you know, those B one battle droids, they're not much to to go up against. <laughs> but uh, you know, it was still so to see these guys come out there and actually, you know, be a threat was was cool. I, I'm personally one thing I want to kind of bring up about this episode about rookies is is it's kind of the the continuity because. You know, our, our goal with this show was kind of to do this, the, everything in, in chronological orders, but we, we kind of cheated with this arc because technically Clone Cadets comes right after the movie. And then Rookies would take its normal place in season one, and then our Troopers takes place sort of in the chronology where we are now. And so the, the chronology for this, this episode just kind of, for this arc kind of confused me 
with watching the, uh, the, the, the well, it's just, just the way they worked out because in, uh, in, in rookies, the, uh, Tom Kane narration makes reference to the fact that these troopers haven't really completed their training. And I'm just like, but we just saw them complete their training. What was the <laughs> point of that Citadel challenge there then? <laughs> so there was kind of that. And then, um, when, when our troopers opens up, you kind of get the sense that, you know, something has been going on that, 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 you know, this, this takes place right after the whole Rishi moon incident, because, you know, we see Grievous and Ventress plotting about what's going on, on Camino, And, 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 but there's so much time in between, so much other stuff has gone on that I'm just like, okay, but shouldn't that be, shouldn't these episodes all be closer together? Or at least shouldn't rookies and ARC troopers be like back to back? I understand leaving some space between clone cadets and rookies to, you know, leave the clones to get bored on that, uh, on that, uh, you know, on that moon. So I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it, it was, it was, it was odd to me. I'm just going to interject that I'm going to disagree with you there. I, <laughs> I, I think that it it can make sense to be honest. If you look at it this way, Grievous and Ventress's plan was foiled in Brookies, and um, I don't know why they said at the end like we're outgunned, get us out of here. I'm like, if you're going to go and invade Camino, you're going to need a hell of a lot of guns. Come on, let's uh, <laughs> let's get that sorted out. Both times they were clearly unprepared, but. We've already talked about the purpose of it, so it, it kind of makes sense. Uh, anyway, they go off and jump to hyperspace. Um, but then afterwards, they're going to have to have time to regroup, and there'll be uh, there's other things going on in the war. It's a galactic-wide war. It's not just the campaign on Kamino. So Count Dooku may have just got in contact and said, "Well, forget about Kamino. We'll deal with that at a later time. We've got to go over this. But you've got to go back to your lair, whatever he was doing after." After rookies, so I I can believe that, and also it's the, it's the character development. The Ventress to me in, in Art Troopers seems a completely different Ventress to what we have seen in season one. She seems mm. a lot more confident, nonchalant, and no, more aggressive. No, she, I, I, I think, I, she, I think she, she's she's pretty pretty solid from season one to season three. Um, and I think the change that we see in her happens in the Night Sister trilogy because I think this whole persona that she has, I think, is complete act, and that is, you know, she puts on for for the Jedi and stuff. This, you know, this persona of this, you know, sexy Sith Sith witch basically is this kind of this act that she puts on, and you know, when we see her with the Night Sisters in season three. We sort of see her more as her true self, and I think, and I think that sort of, you know, I I, I felt that she her character fa- played, you know, stayed very much the same between, you know, what we saw in season one and then what we see in season three because we don't see her at all in season two. Um, but just just to go back to the continuity for a second, so again with this whole, you know, rookies, she's a spy on Camino and she's a spy on Camino again in in Arc Troopers, but there's. There's a couple of Ventress stories that take place in between. So does she leave Camino and go back? It, it seems to me <laughs> that, that it would have made more sense. Point. It would have it would have made more sense to have rookies and arc troopers together, whether that is you know in season one timeline or in season three timeline. I just feel like they should have been closer together, and I don't see why they weren't. And 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 that, so I'm just a little confused on on that because it. 
feels like it, it, it otherwise it would have made sense other she leaves she comes back she leaves she comes back I, I I think it would have made sense just for it to all have been all have happened over a shorter time frame instead of going off and having all these other adventures you know Grievous going off and having doing other things that you know that makes sense if they're going to regroup and stuff but Ventress escaping and going and doing something else you know it just I don't know because I'm looking at the I'm looking at the timeline right now. To be perfectly honest, I'm looking at the chronology, and so uh, she Ventress appears in the episodes um, uh, Cloak of Darkness. Cloak of Darkness. She's in that one, and then that's pretty much it. That's her last appearance until this one. Now, and so that was that takes place after you know rookies and 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 ambush. So now I'm. I may have just talked myself into the answer here. Um, that she leaves, uh, that, you know, she, the only reason she leaves Camino is to go rescue Gunray and that she goes right back immediately, that she doesn't, you know, leave and go and do some other, some other missions and stuff. And so she goes back right away and that she only left because it was absolute extreme circumstances. Okay. So I've talked myself into the answer. Okay. We got it. Okay. We can move on from that. Please. Uh, if you want to, if you want to keep talking about, about Ventress in, uh, your personality. I mean, I, I, interesting. To, I'm interested to hear what you think is her is the difference between her and se- in season one and season three. Well, I mean, this is, this is quite an interesting topic that we talk with Ventress here. I find her character increasingly fascinating as we go through the series. Um, I think as we, we do have this these, these different personas of Ventress throughout the Clone Wars, and I agree. Principally, from season one to season three, she's a lackey. Let's be honest, it's a separatist mm-hmm. lackey, yeah. uh, an assassin used by Dooku um, to exact his will. <laughs> but I just feel like in this episode, it's just something a little bit different from what I've seen in Cloak of Darkness. Cloak of Darkness, she seemed a bit more whiny, and I, I don't know exactly what was off with her, but... I mean, okay, she succeeded in her mission, but I feel like she wasn't as nonchalant as what I see in, epi- in, in this episode. And I principally look at the scene where she is walking up to the clone, chokes him, and then grabs him to her and then kisses him. Mm-hmm. Which, again, that was quite a controversial, controversial scene. Yeah, that it was came cut out. out. That, wasn't actually, that was cut out, wasn't it? That was deemed as... I don't know what that was, PG-13 for Cartoon Network or something. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't like that, but it came on the on the DVD scene. Yep. So, um, all right, I'll be interested to hear what... You, first of all, what what, you, what do you make of that whole scene where she chokes him and then kisses him? Do you think that's, had, that was a well, bit too much? I, I, it's something that we'd never really seen in, in Star Wars, anything quite like that. But at the same time, it was... You know, she is a dark side character. She was being trained by Dooku, and she does have this sort of persona. So it fits in with her persona. I don't think it's, uh, you know, I don't think it's it's out of character or anything. And, and you know, I'm all for, you know, doing things that expand the, the language of Star Wars. And if this is one of those things, as long as it does, they don't take it too far out of the family uh family-friendly uh, nature of it. I mean, this was pushing that, it was pushing the boundaries, but I don't think it crossed anything. Um, but, you know, if, 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 you know, the show had already come under fire for another episode in this arc, which was Rookies, where, you know, they say, what the hell? And, you know, parent groups were all upset about that, and, you know, they had to have a re-edited version for all future releases on Cartoon Network. And so it's like, okay, you know, I guess... 
you know, in this day and age, they, I think they were more just playing it safe than, you know, saying this doesn't belong in Star Wars because obviously, you know, they left it in for the, for the Blu-ray DVD. and for the DVD. So obviously people don't mind it. <laughs> you know, they, they, the fans don't mind it. It's just, you know, when you are on Cartoon Network, and this is the problem with these animated shows is that, you know, Star Wars always pushes the boundaries and, and Clone Wars really became more of a, an adult cartoon show. And I don't mean that sort of like it's a, you know, I don't mean that in like the Family Guy sense, but it just in the fact that it was, you know, it was very much, you know, dealt with more mature themes, you know, especially season six, um, and that wound up on Netflix, um, and and you know there was a lot of action and, and violence and, and all that kind of stuff, and so when you are on Cartoon Network where you're up against other shows that are purposely that are aimed at younger audiences, whereas I think the Clone Wars was just about telling good stories and you know star wars appears appeals to all ages um and so when you're up on when you're on a network like cartoon network and i, I think disney xd is going to be the same way um for star wars rebels you wind up with a certain scenario where sometimes stuff is going to be cut because it doesn't fit in with the net with, with the network that it's on even if it may fit in with the, the language of Star Wars or if it's pushing the boundaries of, of Star Wars a little bit, which is, like I said, is always fine with me. Um, and so, well, that, you know, it'll, you know, if they, as long as they put it out on the DVD, as long as they don't stop doing these things, um, because of, of the networks, as long as they keep doing them and if the networks say, okay, you have to cut that out and they say, okay, that's fine, but we're going to put it on the DVD, um, then I'm fine with that. And, and, and so I doesn't, you know, could it have been in the episode when it aired? Probably. Would have caused some some stir again, maybe, but at the same time, you know, I'm just glad that they put it out and that you know yeah. the the versions that you get on on DVD and Blu-ray and on Netflix, those are the canon versions, so it happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and I agree with you. It might well have caused a bit of a stir if people are not happy with the use of the phrase "what the hell." Yeah. Um. So, but at the same time, I. I mean, they let they let the zombie episodes air, and I think that would be more chilling and more haunting than a little kiss on the cheek. Yes. Although, yeah, in fairness, yeah, the, the kiss is very. That was kind of. It's know, probably it's, a bit more twisted and sadistic, really, isn't twisted it? Twisted and it's and it's sexual and it's all that kind of things. And so when yeah, I guess you know the zombies. Well, they were creepy. They weren't scary. Um, I think there is a, there's a line to that to, to cr- that can be crossed there, and I think they stayed very much on the creepy side, so they, you know, they, they won't, don't think kids would be too scared by it. It's, I mean, it's good to scare them a little, but not too much. Um, and I think that's where the the zombies would have fallen into that. But and so I think parents would have realized that for the most part. But once you start getting into, you know, people get weird once you start getting into, you know, dealing with more sexual themes and stuff, and yeah. that's. You know, you've, you know, that's why movies wind up with absurd ratings sometimes. You know, if you ever, if you ever want to see, if you ever, ever want to look into something like that, uh, watch the movie. Um, this film is not yet rated. It kind of delves into how that kind of um, subject matter makes things go crazy, and movies that otherwise wouldn't be rated would be rated, you know, PG thirteen wind up with, the, you know, one of those, um, you know, NA seventeen or whatever it is. Um, which means you can't get into it at all unless you're 17 and, it's, and theaters don't want to carry it. Um, but yeah, it also also watch that movie um, on your own. Don't watch that in a public place because you will get some weird looks. Um, <laughs> and, and Thanks for the heads up. And don't watch it with people who 
who get weird about that kind of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I think we're going to. So, 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 so to all you kids out there, if you're, if you're under 17 <laughs> listening to this, don't go and watch this documentary or, well, well or, you know, or, yeah. Or a- anything of that subject matter, to be honest, until you're 17. <laughs> right. That's our public service announcement for yeah. the, the episode. <laughs> um, we'll move on a bit from that scene then, because we know how controversial that was when it, when it aired. And let's talk about just Ark Troopers as the episode, uh, as, as a whole. In essence, it was just an epic episode, wasn't it? In terms of the space battles and the, Oh, and yeah. the incursion on Tipoca so City, the lightsaber jewels. I'd, do you want to have a little comment about all of that stuff that happened so, there? It's so good. I, it's, it, it was so much fun. It was a great episode. I, I really enjoyed it. it. A lot of great action. Um, and it was, you know, and with, with an emotional kick as well, with the ninth, death of 99. But, you know, we really kind of talked about <laughs> a lot of the, the issues in it, you know, just by... Well, not issues in the sense of bad things, but just, you know, topics from it. Just because, you know, these, even though these episodes are, you know, one of those weird arcs where, you know, they cover two seasons, it still, you know, they still flow very well as a trilogy, despite, mm. you know, any minor continuity issues I have with, <laughs> with when these episodes take place in the timeline. But yeah, it's good stuff. It, it was yeah. great, great stuff. Fantastic lightsaber duels. Um, one thing I will bring up is, is Anakin, uh, Anakin is gonna let the clones execute Ventress. You, you, ah, you must be reading my notes here. <laughs> I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, well, 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 what did you think? What did you think? You go first this Well, time. I was gonna ask you, did that evoke visuals of Vader? And a little clones? bit. A bit, yeah, cause you have it. There's Anakin standing, uh, <laughs> standing in front of a bunch of white armored soldiers with their guns drawn, and he's gonna let them execute someone. You kinda wonder if that happened more than once in the dark times, except Anakin had the red lightsaber and the mask and the, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, it's quite something. It, it uh, yeah, it definitely evoked Vader for me. I, you know, it's, it was definitely a dark side moment because, you know, Obi-Wan would have taken her prisoner. I have no doubt. Obi-Wan would have taken her prisoner. Mace probably... Yeah, Mace probably would have taken her prisoner. Plo Koon would have taken her prisoner. Luminara would have taken her prisoner. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those moments where these characters were, you know, the Sianakin, you know, he was like, I'm just going to let the clones execute you. And you know that if they, if he had succeeded... You know, he would have gone back and said, you know, we had no choice. We had to end her. When really, he should have just taken her prisoner. Because it's like the thing with Dooku. He, they should have taken him prisoner. If if Sidious wasn't there, I believe he would have taken him prisoner. Because, or, you know, if Obi-Wan had still been awake, they would have taken him prisoner. Because think of all the things that Dooku knows. And even if Ventress just knows a fraction of that... That's still some seriously important information when you're in a war situation. And so to take her prisoner and, you know, question her, get some of that information. I don't, I don't want to challenge the, the moral conception of that. I agree that they should have taken them prisoner. But how much information are these Jedi really going to get from Ventress and Dooku? Do you think they're really going to well, spill the beans? No. I don't think I, they're going to say anything. A bit like with the uh, Cad Bane episodes of the beginning of season two when Mace Windu makes the comment saying, I think the fear of whoever you work for outweighs your fear of us. And that will be how it plays out. 
what couldn't I yeah, I still think they would have wanted to try. And they would have wanted to try, yeah, but they wouldn't have got anything. I don't think they would have gotten much, no, but you know, they never you never know. Sometimes they maybe Unless they, they would have scored yeah. in their mind. I maybe guess. or maybe they had something that could have you know, Ventress wanted, although you know, I think Ventress and I think part of you know, her persona in these episodes is the fact that she's quite content where she is. She thinks she's where she's supposed to be. And then, you know, when, you know, the you-know-what hits the fan in, in the a couple of arcs, that's when, uh, that's when she sort of realizes, oh, wait, I was kind of being deceived. And, you know, then we get to see what she, who she really is um, going forward. And then, We'll be seeing some of that in the novel coming up too, which is great. Just oh, I'll have to have to little have a little brief discussion about the rebels yeah. and uh, novel stuff at the, at the end of this, and we're, we're coming to the end of it. Um, I just wanted to get your view on on the running theme that is quite lucid throughout these. It's quite obvious and evident at the end of each episode, maybe. In a way, the first one, but not as not as same as the clone uh, as rookies and art troopers. We see the clones of the Domino Squad promoted and, and upgraded in rank. Well, they get promoted uh, as, and as upgraded, reward, even in, even in clone cadets. <laughs> yeah, they do to an extent, but they don't have Rex and Cody there saying you have been promoted to five oh first or you have been promoted to art troopers. Is the 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 first one they do get promoted, don't they? But yeah. uh, it's kind of just as a whole group. <laughs> um, but do, do you think that was an effective ending for each of the episodes then uh, have, having them promoted to a, a new class of clone and, and does that yeah, present, I, I th- present, a, present a, a good message for the audience I think so because I think you know, they, you know, they worked hard they were successful in what they did um, and you know they and as a result they were rewarded for it I don't you know, I don't see they were promoted. I, you know, if you do a good job at work, you're more likely to be promoted than the guy who sits around texting all day or playing Candy Crush or whatever. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it worked out fine. I, you know, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, so absolutely. I just wanted to elaborate more. I guess on the sense that it really illustrated how the clones have had to overcome a series of. Uh, wide-ranging challenges. Oh yeah, I think I think the f- the first one, of course, was their basic training, their rudimentary uh, expedition where they had to climb the citadel and, and bond as a group. And then obviously the second one with the with the Rishi Moon, they actually had to deal with a droid invasion. And then the third one, I think, was not necessarily a physical a, a, a physical obstacle as much as the second one was but uh, it was mental wasn't it because they, they, that, that's one of the, the the fortune cookie at the beginning in the episode which is uh, <laughs> as, I, as I'm not looking it up now but <laughs> <laughs> as I wait for it to load but it was saying something to the effect of that it, it, it's, it's much more difficult to defend your home it's, it's one thing to have to um oh here we are here we go i've got it here <laughs> fighting a war tests a soldier's skills defending his home tests a soldier's heart and i think that's the part i'm trying to make it's this emotional battle that you have to deal with and that's what had to be 
that was the problem that had to be overcome in ARC Troopers. So it was not necessarily a physical excursion, but it was more mentally and, and, and emotionally. So I, I think it was good because it really did relate to the audience, the different guests' conundrums and dilemmas that these clones have to go through and that they're not just these mindless automatons akin to the droids. And so that's why I really wanted to draw upon the end of these episodes, because I felt that it was a really nice way to not only interlink the arc, but a nice way to round it up. Would you Would you agree with that? <laughs> Excuse me, yes, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> You're coughing in the background. Yeah, he asked me that question, and I'm like, I get a cough! <laughs> yeah, but no, no, I definitely I agree with you 100% on what you just said there. Absolutely. Okay, well, I think... Is there, is there anything else that you want to add? With well, about the these arcs? Question? About these arcs? No, I, I think we should just... Uh, I, I think we've covered pretty much everything. I, you know, Anything else is, can be saved for final thoughts. I think... Excuse me. <coughs> excuse me while I die for a second. Um, have a sip of water. Okay. I, I think we should we should move on. We have a few little other things we want to talk about it's, as we record this episode. Uh, it is the weekend of San Diego Comic Con, and uh, we are both jealous of our, of our friend and, and Star Wars Underworld co-host uh, uh, Chris Siegel, who's there and having a blast. Um, <coughs> stop laughing at me! Everybody coughs. Um, <laughs> Uh, but some some news has come out about uh, a couple of upcoming projects that, that we wanted to talk about just a little bit. And the first one I want to get Kieran's take on because it involves one of his favorite characters, uh, Luminara Unduli. It has been confirmed that Luminara has survived Order 66 um, and will be appearing in Star Wars Rebels. Uh, she'll cover. She'll be one of the. She'll kind of be the MacGuffin for for at least an arc or an episode. Uh, she's imprisoned by the Inquisitor. And it'll be up to Kanan and Ezra and the crew of the Ghost to, to go rescue her. Um, so, so Kieran, uh, how do you feel about Luminara surviving Order 66 and appearing in Star Wars Rebels? As you were saying that speech, I was shaking my head. I was oh, <laughs> just not. I just mean out of all the Jedi to survive Order 66, does it really have to be Luminara unduly? I, in fairness... I'll, I'll start off with the the positive <laughs> the positive part of seeing Luminara if there is one in, the, in Rebels. Come on, come on to your point in a second. Um, I just want to say that it's it's good to see that there's connections with the Clone Wars yeah. though, and they are putting characters from the series into Rebels, whether but it's not Luminara, the one that we <laughs> not the one that we wanted, not the one that we wanted. Not yet. They want to see Ahsoka. But that, that, that's that has to happen. <laughs> I, I have a theory seeing... about how that's going to happen, but we'll, we'll talk about that some other time. But yeah, so, sorry, go on, go but, on. But as I, as I nearly finished my... I haven't even had a rant, really, but I won't go on a major rant about this. Uh, it's, it's good to see that. It's just not the right one. And obviously we've got R2, D2, 3PO coming up as well. Yeah. I just And Bail Organa, of course, and, and many others, no doubt, in the future. It's just, of all the Jedi, why Luminara? Why? <laughs> she was the one that was so stubborn and really, most importantly, embodied what was wrong with the Jedi Order. And yet she's the surviving member 
on the council, along with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda. I mean, what's so special about Luminara Unduli compared to Plo Koon, Ki-Adi Mundi? I know we saw them well, die in the film, so they can't be again. there. We didn't see her die. <laughs> we didn't see her die. That was the, what about Quinlan Voss? We didn't see him die either. We could put him in there. He'd be more entertaining. Although but he's that not Jedi quite... Master. No, that's true. But he's more entertaining and uh, and less and less irritating than Luminara. I, I guess she, I guess she has the title of of this Jedi, of a Jedi Master, which of course is going to have a, a major. It's going to have a major impact on our characters involved in that because chances are I don't want to see a Jedi Master apart from the, the hologram, at least in at least in corporeal form, I guess. Maybe Kanan, but not so much. I don't know actually. I'm kind of just making this up as I go along. <laughs> well, I've got a couple of things to say about this. One, come on, in, come on. I think sure. you know the, the good thing for you is that you know the fact that that we're going to see her in in, in the Rebels means that there's a good chance you'll get to see her die on screen. And, and that'll be the last of it. Um, so that was a horrible thing. If she to turns say, into a force ghost, no, no, she won't. She won't. But there's a couple other things. Um, well, I think it makes perfect sense that she's the one that survives. Um, she was on Kashyyyk, so there were a bunch of Wookies around, and we know that the Wookies were able to save Yoda. And so, you know, if she was able to escape, um, then you know we would probably be with help from the Wookiees because that's the thing about Kashyyyk and that's why it makes sense if we went to Kashyyyk in episode 3 is that, you know, the Wookiees are there and that there is this other force that's going to fight alongside the Jedi against the droids other than the clones so that when Order 66 goes down, the Jedi do have some allies um, in, you know, Chewbacca and Tarful and, and other Wookiees. Um, so in that sense, I think it makes sense that she survived and then went off and did, did her own thing for a while and then was captured by the Inquisitor. Um, and the other good thing I think about bringing her back is that it is in the dark times and we have a good chance for someone like Kanan to put her in her place and basically tell her, you were wrong. Everything you guys did was wrong. And look where it got us. And so we have that chance for either him or someone like him to say that to her or for her to admit it herself and say, we were wrong everything we did was wrong. And so I think this is a great opportunity for her to be redeemed as a character, for her to realize the mistakes she was making in the Clone Wars uh, series and era. And as a result of that, um, you know, it could be some kind of closure for her character. And I think that would be great. I think that would be great because, you know, we, we you know, when we talked about her in the Genosis arc and even in uh, uh, the, the, the Cloak of Darkness, you know, there there was kind of this sense that she represented, you know, what was wrong with the Jedi Order, and and I think you know Mace Windu also represents that as well. So I don't I don't mean to pin this all on on Luminara, but you know Mace is dead, so we can't really see him come to realize that everything you was can't wrong. Can't scorn his dead body. Yeah. So for her, you were wrong, Mace. <laughs> you were wrong. <laughs> Just go into the course on Underworld, see his body. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> so I think for for for, for her, it's, it's it's a chance for some closure on on her character and. You know, then there's you know there are people speculating that she may not even actually be alive, that these are just holograms used by the Inquisitor, to, you know, to to draw yeah draw our heroes out and finish them off. So it's a it's it's an interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out this October. Um, I like I like there. what you say there actually. Um, I I could see that certainly happening in the sense that she gets put in her place because she needs to. I mean, she, she clearly what her sentiments were wrong in the war, along with many other Jedi's, not just hers. Yeah. 
But um, if, if one of our heroes dies because Luminara couldn't be bothered to help, though, I will not be happy. <laughs> no, if, I... if one of them's trapped and she says, <laughs> I feel them fading in the force, I will... Anyway, that's, that's my I, I last... Think, I think in this scenario she'd be a little bit more willing to help because, you know, Order 66, all the Jedi are dead. Yeah. Um, but the other thing we should talk about real quick is that they also announced at the Star Wars Books panel that there's a new novel coming out summer 2015 written by Christy Golden um, that is based on some uh, scripts for season 7 and it's being called the, uh, it's the currently untitled uh, Asajj Ventress Quinlan Voss Clone Wars novel. Um, and so I don't know about you, but when um, when Dave Filoni posted all those uh, this concept art for uh, for future seasons of the Clone Wars on StarWars.com, and we saw Ventress and and Quinlan in a, in one of the pieces of art, I was very you know I was like, oh, we were gonna get to see that. That would have been so great. And Filoni mentioned back at at Celebration Europe uh, last summer, and really this this is like the one when we're recording this is like the one year anniversary of Celebration Europe. This is like. It's crazy to think that that wow. was just a year, that was a year ago, um, but um, yeah, he he, uh, he mentioned that you know him and Katie Lucas they really figured out a, a quite a substantial story for Ventress, and so it's good to see that we're going to get that story told in in another format, even though you know it should have been animated. I mean that's the thing we've been saying about about Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir on on the Star Wars Underworld podcast. And I, I don't know, have you been reading Son of Dathomir? I have. I haven't read the third issue yet, um, because every time I go to the comic book store, it's always gone. Sold out. I get, yeah. I get gotta, it's sold out. It's, gotta, yeah, it's I get most it from popular. Dark Horse Digital, I guess, is the way to yeah. go. Um, that's uh, Yeah, I had to do that for the third issue as well. And I went. I went on, like, Wednesday at, like, 1 in the afternoon. Like, it's sold out between 9 and 1 on Wednesday. So... You know, on the one hand, I'm, I was like, oh, man, I don't get it. I don't get to get it. On the other hand, I'm like, yes, it's gone. It's great. I, You know, when people are buying it, people are interested, and people are telling yeah. Disney that we want more of this, and hopefully that that resulted in this novel and will result in more. But I think the constant complaint we've had for that series, as much as we love getting it and we're grateful for getting it, is that it's it feels doesn't feel long enough. It feels too short. Mm. And in, personally, if you ask me, I think Clone Wars episodes, like one episode, should be three issues of the comic of, of a comic series, one for each arc or one for each act of the show, and then mm. so then an entire arc, a four episode arc, would be twelve issues instead of a four episode arc being four issues. But that's that's neither here nor there. Um, but so I think, but I think by putting this in a novel form, we'll really get to explore things and get them played out properly. Um, you know, and we'll really get a sense of what these scripts really would have been had we, you know, seen them paced properly. Because I think there's some pacing issues with the the comic series, just because they don't have the space to show Grievous versus Maul. Um, so, but it was also what's also great about the news and announcement of this novel is that. It shows the Clone Wars isn't being neglected. Yes. I mean, it's supposed to come out summer of 2015, according to concept art that we've yeah. seen, um, and what's been stated on the panel, which is only a year away now. And uh, I'm quite surprised. I think a few of us 
I also concur with me in the sense that I thought we wouldn't get any for a long time, particularly with episode seven, at least until after episode seven and maybe you know, a you know spin-off what? movie. You, you know what I think happened? I think it was the, the, the fans. I think the fans with uh, things like the, with the Save the Clone Wars campaign, with the, all the letter writing and, and the Twitter protests and, and all of this kind of stuff, I think it really sent the message. And I think people like Dave Filoni going to conventions and, you know, the Star Wars, the Clone Wars panel at, at a, you know, at Celebration Europe, that was the busiest panel on the, the behind the scenes stage that I went to. Um, because, like, I got to that, you know, at the last possible minute, and I was sitting in, like, the back row, man. I was, like, it was jam-packed. And I think this, that kind of thing, you know, I think fans supporting the show that way, and I think Dave Filoni's, you know, panels at previous conventions sort of showed Disney, after the fact, combined with sort of the movement, the Save the Clone Wars movement, that, oh, there was a huge audience for this. Okay, um, quickly, let's get this comic out as soon as we can. And um, Christy Golden, sorry, your Sword of the Jedi series isn't coming out. Here's a big check to compensate you for that. Um, would you like to write this next novel? And she, Christy Golden, I'm sure, was just like, uh, yes, um, I'll do that. Um, and, and so uh, I, I, yeah, I, I think it. I think the because of the the outcry from the fans over, you know, the the ending of the show too early has led to, you know, this book mm-hmm. and the comic book and who knows what else. I think there are going to be more as if, if I, I think, you know, they'll be told in, in comics and in, and in, uh, and in novels, you know, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully some stories will be picked up on in, in rebels and we can kind of fill in the blanks through some, some backstory and stuff. And I, I, I have, I have some theories for how Ahsoka could be brought into Rebels that involve some of that concept art that Dave Filoni posted on, uh, on StarWars.com. Cause if you go back and you look at that, there was Ahsoka talking to Bo-Katan, who was a Mandalorian. And we have a Mandalorian in Rebels. So maybe there was some kind of connection made back during the, this, what, whatever was going on on, on uh, on Mandalore between S- one of Sabine's relatives and Ahsoka that has led to there being some kind of continued friendship and protection and working together mm-hmm. between that family. Because I don't think Sabine... Sabine looks to be about 24, so she would have been like, what, six <laughs> during the Clone War- Wars? So, you know, maybe she would have... Oh, who knows? Maybe Ahsoka saved her life. Maybe Ahsoka saved her life and yeah. she's been trying to... And they've been kind of working together ever since. So, you know, that's just, that's wild speculation that is not based on anything other than, hey, look, Mandalorians. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. But, but it's, it's just good that you raised that point. There's two things. I was, one thing I was going to mention before you made that point, but I'll, I'll interject quickly, is that Rebels has the opportunity to fill in a, a number of blanks as to what would have concluded in the Clone Wars, like Mandalore, because obviously that's a story that wasn't really completed. It's left principally ambiguous as to what really happened at the end of that. But by having a character like Sabine, you can go back in the past. And I think that's what the show has mentioned a lot, is that they will delve into the the back history of many of these characters, or the, the main cast, I should say, of characters, and find out why they've become a rebel. So, you know, you've got opportunities to go back into the Clone Wars, which would be really exciting. And with this novel, it's pleasing to see that Disney 
is rectifying its error because, mm-hmm. as you said, I think the 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 oh, whatever you want to call it, the leaders of Disney, the the overseers, uh, Kathleen Kennedy and crew, I think they recognised that it was a mistake to cancel the show. Um, but of course, I people can't really complain much about that. It, 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 yes and no. It's sad that the show's gone, but. If then it's your new company taking it over, you don't necessarily want to be, I guess, involving yourself in a show that you think hasn't necessarily, um, is going to fit into your long vision, your grand vision of having episode seven and episode eight and nine, and we're still talking about the Clone Wars. They're probably thinking there's a time and a place for it, but a bit like with Detours, that's why that's been postponed in its, um, in its release. So, you know what? They're, they're rectifying it. They're, they're, as much as you can say, they're doing as best as they can by releasing novels like these. So I, I, I think it's it's pleasing to see is what I would is what I would state yeah. with regards to that. So um, really, really looking forward to the novels that are coming out. And people who thought, well, oh, no more books, we're all in the Legends universe. Well, we've got a number of books we've in the got, works like, now. We've got a book coming out like every three months. If anything, I think they need to slow down a little. Otherwise, you know. I mean, they are all kind of standalone books that tie into other material, um, but it's still, you know, I think you have to think about the long, long-term long plan, and, you know, 20 years from now, if people want to jump into the books, you don't want to make it too daunting for them, which is what happened with the Legends universe. Um, so I would think, I would recommend they slow down just a little bit, maybe limit themselves to three books a year, instead of, I think they're on pace for like four books a year in, in four or five books in 2015. And who knows, we, hey, maybe one of those is going to be the uh, the episode seven novelization. But I, I have to say, I haven't been this excited for Star Wars books in, in a long time. And I loved the Legends universe. I thought it was great. I thought it, you know, there, was a, there was a lot of stuff I, that I had some problems with, but there's even more that I really, really, really enjoyed. But I think rebooting the canon and giving us these new stories... And that are all that are all canon and all sound so good, like that's the thing, you know. Once with with the old legend stuff, you, you know, totally off topic here, but sometimes it felt like okay, this is like so obscure that while it may be cool, it's just you know, it's it doesn't feel like it's it's major. But you know, look at the books we're getting: a new dawn to tie into rebels, uh, Tarkin. That's the life story of. of of Grand Moff Tarkin. That's something that I think we all want to see. Uh, a first-person Luke Skywalker novel between episodes four and five? Yeah. Um, Vader and, and, and Sidious team-up novel? Come on, yes. And then this, and then this Clone Wars story? I, I think it's just great. And I, I'm so looking forward to to spending lots and lots of money on, on novels over the next couple <laughs> of years. <laughs> We're gonna be out of money to get to celebration at this rate. Yeah, really. Just, <laughs> at least, at least there are only four novels before four celebration gets here. Oh man, yeah, it'll be. It's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. Definitely, definitely. Now we've we've, <laughs> we've talked about the topics there. Um, should we go and round off and talk about our quotes and final thoughts sure, of the, yeah, the episodes? Let's, let's do that. Let's do that. So, do you want to go first or should I? Uh, I'll let you go first. Okay. Uh, yeah, you go first. You go first. Alright. Uh, I will, from the, from the first, from the first episode from Clone Cadets, um, 
I could go with two quotes. Um, one is just kind of a funny one I thought was, was, was funny. One of the clones, I'm not sure which, very sarcastically said, well, bravo for bravo squad after they were called <laughs> up first. And I just thought that was very, very funny. It was also interesting in that episode to see that like, you know, bravo squad was the best and domino squad was the worst. <laughs> it was like, did these clones were doomed as soon as they got their clones, their <laughs> yeah. squad names. <laughs> domino. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then um, from our troopers, when when ninety nine says, "How can I be a failure?" Or, or sorry, <laughs> jeez, am I getting a cold? Oh. Okay. Um, also from Clone Cadets, um, uh, the uh, the ninety nine quote of, uh, "How can I be a failure if I never got my chance?" Um, and then uh, yeah, do you want to go? You want to take a? You want to give yours from Clone Cadets now? Yeah, sure. Um, I think my one. I've got actually more serious ones this time, rather than just. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, thought, I thought I would go serious, and that's, that's not usually me. So uh, I don't know why I've been. I don't know what I've had in my tea. Uh, maybe <laughs> I got it from Mandalore. Must have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Although you know, no, because no, if you got your tea from Mandalore, you would have been acting like an idiot. So I, I don't yeah, think that's, that's true. <laughs> it wouldn't. Have, it wouldn't have had a major effect on me then. Yeah. Nineteen nine. Uh, when he's talking with Heavy and Clone Cadets, and he says uh, he keeps calling Heavy Heavy, Heavy Heavy, uh, and he says uh, not to me. To me, you've always had a name. And Heavy says, No, no ninety nine. We're just numbers. Just no. I said it wrong. I said no. it wrong. Oh. <laughs> no. Oh dear. Anyway, the point was, he's meant to say that uh, that. We're just numbers 99, and he says, not to me. To me, you've always had a name. So I thought that was quite that was quite a good line. Um, and I'll quickly do Rookie. Have you have you got more quotes left? Uh, no, go ahead. You can go for Rookies. I'll, 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 come, I'll go after you if you like, if you're yeah, ready. I'm ready. All right, so Rookies is the, the, sacrif- the moment where Heavy sacrifices himself, and the droid mm. says, do we take prisoners? And he says, I don't. Boosh. I and don't. Blows them up. Yeah. Blows them all up. Uh, and then, and um, I'll let you have art troopers. I was going to go for for rookies uh, real quick. Uh, for, for oh me, yeah, go ahead. Um, my favorite for, for rookies was a little exchange between Anakin and, and Obi Wan. Obi Wan says that um, they they should have checked into the Rishi station hours ago. It appears your captain follows his orders as well as you. And they, of course, they're talking about Rex and Cody. And Anakin replies with, "Hmm, perhaps Cody is boring Rex with standards, procedures, and protocol." And it just seems <laughs> to me as like they're comparing clone troopers, and they're like, uh, you know, they they can't, uh, you know, it's almost like the the clones um, represent their personality. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And then uh, for me. Uh, for uh, for a uh, season for for uh, arc troopers, uh, just oh, oh, anything Obi Wan said to the uh, the Kaminoan whale. I just <laughs> I just love that when he, <laughs> when he gets saved by him the second time and he just sort of says we we have to stop meeting this way, friend. And I, I just thought that was a, <laughs> it was a fun little Obi Wan moment. You know, it was kind of like when he was talking to R two in Episode Four. It was it was quite nice. I quite enjoyed that moment. Really, that's that's a great. <laughs> that was some great interaction between Obi Wan and a whale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so funny. Um, and my final one is fives when they're with the cadets, ninety nine Rex and Cody, and they're talking about the invasion. And fives as a morale booster says, "Look around. We're one and the same. 
same heart, same blood, and my blood's boiling for a fight. I just thought, yeah, that, if I heard, heard that speech, I'd be like, yeah, let's, let's get them. Let's go! Beat those separatists, let's do it! Let's do this! <laughs> so no. I, I, as I said, went more serious, but I thought there was some, there was some really good quotes there in terms of, uh, from, from, from the clones as well. Um, it was, it was just really nice to see that, um, you could really affiliate with them. Um, as, the, as these generals. Um, should we do final thoughts then? Oh, final yeah, thoughts. let's do some final thoughts. Let's wrap things. Um, uh, final thoughts for me, uh, this arc was just phenomenal. I really enjoyed the whole the whole thing. I thought it was a, a ton of fun. It was, was really cool. and It was really interesting to watch these clones sort of grow throughout the episodes. And, you know, we see them in Clone Cadets where they're this sort of bumbling group of... of, of, of almost bad batchers and you know there was some nice touches in there that you know when bravo squad walked off the uh the training pitch they were their numbers were from one to five like properly but when when domino squad was walking on it it, it they were you know their numbers were all mixed up and they weren't walking in the right order and then of course there was the great um the great moment where uh arc trooper colt told them to uh fire up the computer uh module thx variable 1138 that was a great little moment great little thx 1138 mod uh nod i should say and then rookies was a great season one episode it was a lot of fun great uh, sacrifice from heavy um it was cool to see the clones in their natural habitat um and then uh and then our troopers just tons of action so much fun and uh, the tragic death of 99, who was really the unsung hero of the uh, of the Clone Wars, if you ask me. It was really great to see, uh, to, to watch his character progress and to see the impact he had on these clones. I mean, character we, I really would have liked to see survive. Um, so yeah, so I'll give this arc a, a 9 out of 10. A 9 out of 10. It was really great. I really enjoyed it. Um, what about you? What about your final thoughts and score out of 10? Yeah, my score is exactly the same as yours. Nine out of ten. It was a superb arc. There was so much good stuff in this. Um, it was really the the first clone-centric arc that we've really examined throughout our discussions here. We've had a couple of episodes that have delved into Rex, um, but not necessarily just on the clones. There's always been something else going on in the background. And I think it was really, really fascinating just to really delve into their personalities, their personas, and really glean that they're not just the, these mindless automatons, but they're individuals. They have their unique personalities and as we saw, already said, Dee Bradley Baker has done a phenomenal job with these episodes and the series as a whole just by voicing these clones because their, their characteristics are so distinct from each other. That's something which is just, I can't, I can't eulogize him anymore to be honest because there's, there's so, apart from giving them an Emmy, but I can't give him an Emmy. <laughs> so that's as far as my eulogy goes. It's just, it was a fantastic arc. Uh, action-packed. Um, there was, as we said, the animation in season three is at a completely new level to what we've seen up up to this point, and that that Camino battle was outstanding, outstandingly executed, um, and it was certainly an enthralling, enthralling arc to say the least. But we also had the quieter moments where we did just uh, examine the troopers' feelings and personalities and. That was what really drove the story for me. That's what I really enjoyed. So, um, yeah, nine nine out of ten. 
fantastic episodes and we've got some good ones coming up and I don't know if you realise but the next arc will be the 50th episode um, in this yeah. chronological order we'll be moving on to uh, Sphere of Influence and the, and the Zero arc but that'll be well yeah. Nearly, nearly half, well, half a century, which is quite incredible already. We've <laughs> yeah. only done about 17 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all right. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Don't forget you can uh, catch new episodes of this show throughout the summer um, whenever we get the chance to record. So, like, this, this time we got uh, back-to-back weeks, which is great. Um, but... You know, we never quite know when we're going to be able to record during the summer. So uh, just keep your eyes peeled uh, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Clone Wars Strikes Back. Or is it the, the Clone Wars Strikes Back? Uh, just search the Clone Wars Strikes Back on Facebook and, and you'll find it. Um, and you'll find us there. Yeah, it's Clone Wars Strikes Back. Um, and uh, and then you follow us at TCW Strikes Back on Twitter. You can follow me at DominicJ25. You can follow at Kieran at CDuggan6. Uh, you can find updates uh, on all those places on when you can expect new shows. Um, also, uh, between shows, don't forget to hit up StarWarsUnderworld.com for all the latest breaking Star Wars news, including Episode 7, Rebels, books, uh, Battlefront, and so much more. Uh, all that's there. Uh, you can also listen to uh, my other podcast, the Star Wars Underworld Podcast, which you can find on Star Wars Underworld Podcast feed, which is where you find this show as well. And uh, last week we had our San Diego Comic Con coverage. Uh, we uh, we had the entire Star Wars Rebels panel, as well as uh, some, uh, as well as a day one report from uh, Chris Siegel. And uh, next week we'll have a full report from the full convention, as well as uh, mo- more coherent thoughts on the on the trailers and, and everything that was revealed for myself and my co-host Ben. Because uh, if you haven't listened yet, uh, basically after the panel we tried to do some some thoughts immediately afterwards, but instead we. We just started gushing about how excited we were, and it, it, it well, it was fun, and it was a lot of, and, and I highly recommend listening to it. Uh, we didn't really discuss um, in depth too too much, uh, and we'll be doing that next Thursday night live at 9 p.m. Eastern on channel 1138.com and then on the iTunes feed on the next day. Also, uh, be sure to subscribe uh, on iTunes to never miss this show or the Star Wars Underworld podcast and leave reviews. We like reviews. Uh, Five stars, preferably. (laughs) Uh, If you want to send us your thoughts on any Clone Wars episodes, uh, some some that we've done before or some that are upcoming, you can do so clonewarsstrikesback at gmail.com. So thank you, everybody, for listening, and may the Force be with you.